You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Broadway Gives Back Podcast. I'm your host, Jan Svensson. This podcast spotlights Broadway actors, shows, and organizations in their pursuit of social impact and philanthropy. Join us as some of the brightest lights on Broadway share their stories about their favorite charities and how they got involved, and the people and the causes who benefited from these philanthropic efforts. Anika Larson is currently playing Elaine Miller in Broadway's Almost Famous the Musical. She's also performed on Broadway in Beautiful, the Carol King musical, and received a Tony nomination and a Drama Desk Award, Avenue Q, Xanadu, All Shook Up, and Rent. Anika joined the theater climate revolution via the Broadway Green Alliance and leverages her social media to share behind-the-scenes Broadway fun that also happens to demonstrate Broadway sustainability. She is a huge supporter and activist, not only for environmental issues, but also for arts education and children's theater. Anika, welcome to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. That was a lovely intro. Thank you. Would you come everywhere with me and just say that when I enter rooms? I would love to. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm so happy you're here today. I'm happy to be here today. It's um, kind of a sad day because we just mm. found out that our show, Almost Famous, is closing on January 8th. But um, I guess if this business has taught me anything, it's resilience. Even this is a particular heartbreaker. I really, really love and believe in this one. Just a really tough time for theater, for new theater yeah, particularly. It is. So we're going to we're going to drop this podcast and hopefully everyone will yeah. hear it and get to see this show before January 8th. Yeah. Um, but we definitely feel your sadness. Yeah. And um, yeah, it is like the nature of the beast here, sadly. Yeah, yeah it sure is. Well, you know what? We're going to talk about Almost Famous, but we're mm -hmm. also going to talk a lot about um, just giving back and philanthropy Fantastic. and activism. Mm -hmm. um, but before we do that, I thought maybe we'd do a little sort of vocal warm up and do some mm -hmm. rapid fire questions. Oh my goodness, I'm ready. Are you ready? Okay, so I've themed these all for the holidays. <laughs> so let's see how we do. Um, if you were an elf in Santa's workshop, what would your assignment be? Oh, um, knitting, knitting stockings. Gosh, you and uh, you and Sutton, right? Sutton oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I only knit stockings though, so that's why I literally oh. can't make anything else. So that's why I'd be perfect as perfect. an elf knitting stockings. <laughs> Um, if you're, what would your elf personality be? Like what three adjectives would you use to describe your elf? Oh my goodness. Um, your elf um, self. My, my elf self, um, uh, OCD, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's, this is not one word, but super good at deadlines and, um, uh, joyful. Joyful elf. Uh, what's your favorite holiday tradition? Well, you know, it's, I have two little boys now, so it's changed, right? Because it's all about them. Because mm. it's joyful when you're a kid, and then it stops being so special uh, when you're just a 20-something. And then you have kids, and you just the, the joy of it is all brought back to you. So um, uh, I think it would be all the stuff that involves them. I mean, really, um, I suppose um, how excited they get. I mean, it's like they're on drugs, the euphoria of it all. <laughs> When we decorate our Christmas tree, and, oh. but really anything involved with the holidays that has to do with my kids. It's just, it's so magical. Nice. 
So what's the best or the worst holiday gift that you've ever given or received? <laughs> <laughs> Can I do the best, wor I mean, the worst birthday gift I've ever received? Because yeah. that was yesterday was my birthday. Oh, and happy I got, belated. Yeah, I got a closing notice for my, yeah. my beloved Broadway oh, show. So worst <laughs> present ever, which is what I texted back to all the people sending uh, me love. Yeah. Gosh. Is there a character or scene in any holiday-themed Broadway show or even a movie or a book or a TV show that you love or relate to? We're so obsessed with Elf in my house because it's just, it's one of those movies like that five and seven-year-old boys and then grown-ups can equally enjoy uh -huh. um, that I relate to in that. Um, I don't know. I guess it's back to being the um, the OCD elf as I would um <laughs> the, the, it's the scene when Will Ferrell, he just, he um, decorates the whole, all of the, it's not Macy's, but the fake Macy's, the inside uh -huh. of it. Um, uh, I love, I love decorating for Christmas. And um, if I had those powers, that's exactly what I would do. Love it. So if you were Santa, what kind of cookies would I be leaving out for you on Christmas Eve? <laughs> <laughs> um, any cookies. I love, I have such a sweet tooth, all cookies. I do not discriminate when it comes to cookies. Since the fam the holidays are about family, they're about giving. And I wondered, what's the last random act of kindness that you've performed? I don't know how random it is, but I make I very much make a point to, and I and I do this, I think, all the time, certainly at the theater, is I think often we think lovely things about people and we don't say them, especially mm -hmm. if they're people who are successful at what they do. You think they know it. Um, and so I really always try to make a point to articulate, to say out loud, the, the way the, the those positive things and big or small um uh sort of like with yelp reviews right it's like everybody everybody voices it when they had a terrible time at a restaurant but if they had a great mm -hmm. time they just go home and move on with their lives and i think no we should yelp review each other throughout our lives and be letting each other know um all of the ways that we appreciate each other i love that yelp review each other through all of our lives <laughs> that's great um that should be like you should knit that on some kind of stocking. Yeah, that's, that's a good quote. Um, what are you most grateful for this holiday season? Um, uh, even though it's closing, I'm grateful to be back on Broadway. I'm grateful to be working again. It was really hard to be languishing for so many years. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I did everything I, I could to try and feel like a theater artist throughout COVID times. Um, and a lot of good came out of it for me in terms of trying to pivot and, you know, finding... Uh, uh, new skills that I didn't know I had. Um, I directed for the first time, and I want to keep doing more of that. I've also started hosting things like this um, that I and I didn't I didn't realize that I was good at that. And so, um, and of course, time with my children when they're so young. Um, there's so much good that came out of it. But I keep saying I felt like a um, a goldfish that was flopping around on a counter for two and a half years, and then I mm -hmm. went to rehearsals for Almost Famous, and it felt like somebody put me back in my bowl. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm grateful to be swimming back in my bowl. And um, even though I'm going to have to move to a different bowl sometime soon, <laughs> I'm getting evicted from my almost famous bowl. <laughs> um, uh, I know that I'll be I'll be swimming again soon. I believe you will. Um, let's just talk about your two boys because mm. they're called the beautiful boys, right? They are. They only exist because of Carol King and Cynthia Weil, who I played and beautiful, the <laughs> Carol King musical. Because my dresser on that show, um, I guess I complained too much about my love life backstage because one day during a quick change, she said, would you like to be set up on a blind date with a trumpet player named Freddie? I said, sure, got to go. Um, <laughs> and um, so, um, yeah, cut to 
three months after our, it was an amazing blind date. He's a trumpet player and I watched him play for an hour and a half at B.B. King's, R.I.P. B.B. King's on 42nd Street. Doesn't exist anymore, but I watched him play and it was amazing. And I thought, please let us have something to talk about. And we shut the bar down talking all night. And um, three months later, I moved out of my Brooklyn apartment into his house in the suburbs. And three months after that, I was pregnant with our first um, so yeah, so our two boys, they're five and seven now, but they wouldn't exist if it weren't for that show. My family wouldn't exist if it weren't for that show. That's beautiful. Ah, now speaking of, uh, suburbs, I'm going to take you farther north. You grew up in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And what's mm-hmm. so fascinating is you had, is it nine brothers and sisters from different mm-hmm. races and countries? Yes, exactly. Okay. So I have so many questions, but sure. first talk about that because mm-hmm. what I really want to know is how did this childhood that you had inform and influence who you are today? Oh, my goodness. Sort of in every important way. Um, yeah, no, my parents are extraordinary. My mom in particular, she grew up in Connecticut in um, sort of upper middle class white Connecticut. And um, she didn't speak to a black person for the first time, like a real conversation until she was in college. And her professor, one of her professors was black. And she uh, was so upset by that and um uh, that um, when it when it came time to start making a family with my dad, they just they knew she had it's, it was even rarer then than it is now in a racial adoption. But she had seen it. And so she thought, um, if if I'm going to be mom, I'm going to be super mom. She didn't think that. But that's my that's my subtext for her, because um, I think if she'd been born 10 years later and really um, uh, sort of she was on the cusp of the of the women's lib movement. She'd, if she'd been born 10 years later, she would have been, a, I think, a surgeon. Uh, but yeah, so she's just a highly competent, sort of incredible woman. She's she's my model for a fierce, unorthodox mother, like the one that I play on stage um, in Almost Famous. So yeah, so they started, I was the first by birth, but by the time I was born, they had adopted four kids. Um, wow. Yeah, six by adoption, four by birth. And um, it's it's made me who I am today and all of the important ways. It's made me, being one of 10 has made me a compulsive team player, which really serves me in such a collaborative art form. Um, and then, um, yeah, being raised uh, with such an awareness of, um, we didn't call it anti-racism back then, but um, of, um, you know, the importance of diversity and, and people's humanity and, and um, uh, um, yeah, has really formed who I am and how I move in the world. So you really, your mom was really an activist and she said, I'm going to put my life, you know, yeah. change change my yeah. life and show how I can be an activist in, in real time and in yeah. your own home. Yeah. Well, they always say the personal is political and yeah. It's, right. It's, it's being the change, right? Right. It's exactly being the change. Yeah. Um, wow. So I want to pivot a little bit and, and talk about children's theater. So it's you... Uh, we're going to get to Broadway Green Alliance in, in a sure. little bit, but um, I was just fascinated when I was, you know, reading about you that you also are um, have done so much work in the area of um, children's theater, and you actually uh, started, you founded a theater company to promote truth through performance, which I love mm-hmm. through performance and service mm-hmm. to school kids, to at-risk youth, to teen alternative incarcerate incarceration programs, and more. Mm-hmm. Um, what what motivated you to do that? Um, my dear, my best friend in the whole wide world for decades um, is April Nichols. She was a director, um, a theater director at the time. And um, it really was her concoction 
um, her idea. And the minute she pitched it, I was like, yes, I'm all in. Um, we were young and naive and, and didn't, <laughs> didn't know how much it would take to run a theater company and how hard it is to, to, to raise money for a theater company. Um, even one that's sole purpose is to, is to serve. Um, but, um, so it lasted four years, but it's the four years of my career I'm proudest of. Um, but yeah, no, we really did. Um, looking back, I just, I know I'm in the, the, the light that the light bulbs that went off behind children's eyes, the, 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 the joy we spread and really the, a lot of the purpose of it was is um, for theater people. For me, particularly, um, I felt it, it's so hard to serve in a way that is uh, regular and reliable because our lives are so erratic. I mean, the, Exhibit A being almost famous is closing in January first, January eighth. My life is flipped upside down. Right, so everything I thought I knew was happening in 2023 is not now. And um, but that's typical of our lives. You know, your agent calls and says, you're going to be on tour in two weeks and you're touring the country mm -hmm. suddenly. And um, and that's the joy of it, sort of. For some people, I'm too much of a planner to enjoy that part of it, but um, <laughs> it does keep it interesting. Um, but so I, when I first moved to New York City, I became a big sister in the Big Brother Big Sister program. Um, and um, and I, was, I was a terrible failure at it. I just couldn't be there every Thursday afternoon. And I let her down so many times and had to cancel so many times. And then I got cast in rent in LA and, um, and I, I, I sent her postcards for a while and that fizzled. And I just thought, I can't ever let a kid down again like that. So um, a, one of our aims with this theater company was to create ways for theater people to serve that didn't require ongoing commitment. It was just lots of, we would schedule all of them, but it was lots and lots of one-offs and we had lots and lots of backups. So if at last minute somebody got a call back, we got it. We understood. We were overstaffed. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, uh, I, I know how many, not only like the people we affected, but also just everybody wants to help. The minute you say, hey, here's this way I can make it easy for you to help, people jump at it. So it was really heartening to see how many theater people came alongside us and you know it helped brighten their lives too and i like the idea of this this idea of promoting truth through performance and service like mm -hmm. this idea of truth especially for these kids who are at risk because i bet yeah. that's that's a different way to reach them um and i haven't heard that from a lot of um organizations that um that do children's theater or um or help you know with arts education i love that Oh, thank you. It's actually the full thing is uh, to promote mercy, beauty, and truth through performance uh, and service was our our complete mission. But yeah, that that was um, <laughs> we had lots of meetings. You know, when you're creating your mission statements and all of those things, we had lots yeah. and lots of heartfelt and and idealistic meetings about um, about what we wanted to be doing. But yes, I agree. I think it captures a lovely a lovely uh, way of phrasing um, because I, I mean, one of the programs that we did is a uh, um, a playwriting program for fifth graders in, in public schools. And so they would write their own plays. And so much of it was about them being able to articulate their own truths. Um, mm -hmm. Kids whose stories aren't necessarily being heard um, get to speak their truths and then get to act out their truths. And um, there's a real empowerment in that and uh, a real um, uh, support of one's own self-worth, I think, in that. That's beautiful. It really is. Thanks. And 
you also released an album of lullabies, <laughs> uh, which I I have to listen to because I am not a good sleeper. But what I love is in your promotion <laughs> of it, you say that it's for people of all ages. Yes, it is. It is. You know, it's funny. Um, the the wonderful Dan Watt who produced it came to me. I was doing Beautiful, and he came to me and he said, um, "Would you like to do an album?" And I said, "No." I don't I don't write music. Why would I? And it comes back to um, my life. One of my life's compulsions is that or neuroses is that um, being one of 10 kids, I'm desperate for attention, but deeply <laughs> uncomfortable when I get what feels like too much or more than my fair share of it. So the idea of a whole album that's just me, what, singing cover songs just so people can hear me sing feels felt so uncomfortable that I was like, no, thanks. And then I was visiting um, my nieces and nephews and I was singing them the lullabies that I sing to them, which are never kids lullabies. They're always like gorgeous Broadway standards or wonderful um, jazz songs or whatever. Um, and um, and I thought, oh, but wait, but an album that had a point that had a purpose that I could get behind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one that people could give people as like a baby shower gift or you know for grown-ups who do but yes yeah, so but i but for I also grown -ups think who can't that, sleep grown-ups who can't <laughs> sleep but i also think you don't um uh kids can handle the sophisticated musical palette and i didn't want it to be ch childish mm -hmm. um and i was i guess at the I, ultimately i didn't i didn't think about it this way till right this moment but i guess i was making the album for my future kids and the music i would want them to be hearing um and so i just i wanted it to be yeah sophisticated musically and the lovely thing was i had just met my now husband and he's a trumpet player and i said would you play on it he only plays on three songs i would have had him play on more if i knew he was going to really stick around <laughs> um, <laughs> but while we were recording it um i got pregnant so um and the boys it's in there we, we have a cd player it's a clock cd player in their oh, bedroom wow. who knows how long it's gonna last and if we'll That's be able to replace school. it so old school. Um, but they listen to that CD every night before they go to bed. And how magical that they're now listening to the, the thing we created. I don't know, I suppose in hopes of having kids one day. And then the fun thing that I'd always wanted to do, and this I learned from my many years of babysitting, was sometimes if I was not feeling great or hungover or just tired, I would just sing the same song over and over again to the to kid I was babysitting. Um, and I would just do it slower and slower to help them go to sleep. So if you listen to the album in order, the songs get slower and slower as they go on. Oh, nice trick. Yeah, oh, I wish I had that when I was raising my kids too. <laughs> okay. Um, everybody's learned something new today. <laughs> well, speaking of creating things, so let's talk about Almost Famous. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make you cry. No, I can't. At the end of the day, what a joyful experience. Yeah, such a great such story. A and what show. a character you played. I mean, oh my God. I mean, I don't know that I'll ever get a better one, honestly. It's a phenomenal character. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that's, I, that's really hard to say goodbye to. Now, I'm sure people ask you this question, but, um, you know, Frances McDormand played this role in the film. And yeah. I just wondered, did that influence any of your choices in playing Elaine on stage? Um, that was the reason I said yes. I hadn't seen the movie, but my agent called. He said something he'd never said before or since. He said, I want you to be as excited about this project as I am. And I said, what? He said, it's almost famous. Um, and I said, I, I, you know, I have an image of a bus and Kate Hudson in glasses, but I don't, I haven't seen it. <laughs> and he said, well, it's the Frances McDormand role. And I said, oh, well, then I'll do it because um, I don't know what the role is, but she always plays people who are compelling, interesting, and have a an inherent integrity that I knew 
I knew it would be a role I'd be proud to play, even though I didn't know what it was yet. So I watched the movie that weekend. And then two days later was in the first day of rehearsals for the first workshop of it. And it was awful because she's my favorite actor of all time. So um, why would I ever do anything different than her? Why would I say any lines different? Why would I do make any different choices? Um, and so I felt so trapped in her performance um, and uh, that I just felt off my game. And I thought, oh, they're going to replace me. There's no way they're keeping me. I was terrible this week. Happily for me, they kept me. And um, of course, I never have gone back to watch the movie again to, so that time helps to to forget her performance. And then also just the repetition and the practicing and the morphing of my own performance. And um, and then at the end of the day, what she does so masterfully is she can say volumes with a look. I don't know. How she, I'm, I don't understand TV and film acting. I don't know how she does it so well. Mm. But um, but my job is to sing those volumes in songs. So the scope of work is so different that I just I, I at some point just really stopped worrying about comparison um, and decided I'm going to do the Elaine Miller that's in the script of the musical. And she did the Elaine Miller that's in the screenplay screenplay for the movie. Um, mm -hmm. And those are different. Yeah. And also just the amount of trust that Cameron Crowe put in me and the amount of just incredibly positive, supportive, lovely feedback. Um, I just feel so secure that I'm I'm doing doing it um, well in his eyes. And that's really if 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 he approves of my performance, then I I know I'm I'm doing it right. So, yeah. Well, anyway, it's such a beloved you know film, and it's it's yeah. hard to translate sometimes you know film to stage, and yeah. uh, also you know you guys have done an amazing job with that. But it's yeah. just it's been, there are hard times on Broadway right now. Yeah, so. I don't think it's the show. I think the show is fantastic, and I just the the, the audience is how excited they are when they leave how happy mm. they are when they leave i know that the vast majority of them are telling their friends that it was wonderful um uh i just really do think that um people aren't coming back to broadway yet like they did before covid and um not just tourists local people the schuberts just did a study um, i read that that, yeah, that 35 percent of people within 90 miles of the city aren't are uh, 35 percent down um, yeah. in, in those people's and it makes sense because offices in Manhattan are at 50 percent capacity. So the people who were at their office all day and then saw a Broadway show in the evening um, are at home finishing a Zoom at six o'clock and not driving into the city to see a show. And all of that makes sense. But it's um, it's killing it's killing us. The new shows, the shows that are trying to get a foothold. It's not going to be just us. I mean, it's going to it's 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 really um, I don't I mean. I'm not a producer. That's why I don't know. I don't know the solution. But the timing for us is really, really unfortunate because yeah. I really think there's no reason in normal times. There's no way this wouldn't run five years yeah, at least. Sure. So it's just heartbreaking. It is. It is. And I, I do think that when I think back about the time that I've worked on Broadway as, you know, a marketing person and, mm. and an executive, you know, we went through 9-11. We went through the recession mm -hmm. of two, you know, 2008. And I feel like, you know, we're going to make it through. This is just such a different type of, yeah. you know, experience. Yeah. And I think it's just going to take time to bounce back. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And you never know what's going to happen. You know, I just... You uh, never do. So I, I, I feel optimistic for, for the show and maybe something will happen with it. You never know. Yeah. yeah. But um, it's also really hard to have a show in the middle of winter on Broadway, even in the best of times. Yeah, no, absolutely. January and February. Hey, everybody listening, go see a Broadway show in January and February. Absolutely. Because it's the, it's the hardest time for Broadway. It's just, yeah. it's always, no matter what, it's always the hardest time. If you can yeah. do that, you're supporting an art form. 
Yeah. And I mean, it's so cold right now, too. And I, I mean, well, let's get into climate change because that's a good segue. <laughs> right um, I, right yeah. now, as we record this, I'm actually in LA for the week. Mm-hmm. And it's just mm-hmm. like, it's so cold here. And I know that sounds really crazy to say no, to people who are on the yeah. East Coast right now, but for yeah. LA, it's freezing. You know, climate change is real. And you yeah. um, are such an advocate for the Broadway Green Alliance. Um, and you sort of join their cultural or their th- their revolution about what they're doing, trying to do. Mm-hmm. And you use your Instagram and you post these behind the scenes fun ways to sort of help Broadways and communicate Broadway sustainability, but also give people mm-hmm. tips on on how to, you know, help support the environment. Talk, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? How did you get involved? Absolutely. Um, uh, first, real quick, I just want to speak to like it being cold in L.A., but it's also cold here. It's, I just remember years ago seeing an interview with a, a climate scientist who said we shouldn't call it global warming, which is why we now call it climate change. We should call it global weirding because it's just yes. going to get weird. Yes, the whole planet is going to get warmer, but it might not be so noticeable to depending on where you are, but it's going to get weird. And of course, it has with fires and hurricanes and droughts and um, beyond weird, horrifying. You know, about six months ago, I read yet another terrifying article in The New York Times about how dire the situation is. And I did what I think all of us do, which is I panicked. And then I thought, but I recycle, I drive a Prius, I take short showers, I vote for people who care about this and try to pass legislation about this. I don't know what else I can do. And then I went about my day and moved on. And um, and that just didn't sit right with me for a few days. And I just thought, I think the difference is having children, right? And I just thought, I have to be able to look my little boys in the eye and say, I really tried to save your planet. And, the, and, and not everybody has the capacity for that. There are a lot of people who are just trying to get through their days. Um, and um, so I think those of us who can must. Um, and so um, I, I didn't know what that looked like. But lucky for me, I have a friend who is a professor of sustainability up at SUNY New Paltz, the lovely Andrea Varga, and um, who is also a costume designer. She also teaches costume design, but in getting into the textile industry and ethical fashion and stuff really pivoted um, and has really started focusing more on sustainability. But so she understands my world and she's just unbelievably knowledgeable about all this stuff. And so I called her up and I said, what do I do? And she said, well, we all have to act locally. We all have to do what we can where we can. And for everybody, that looks different because it has to be something that you can actually manage to fit in your your life. Mm -hmm. But for Mm -hmm. most of us, there are more things that we can be fitting, managing to fit in our lives without it being onerous. Um, And she said, but the good news for you is your local is Broadway and Broadway gets attention. And I was like, ding, 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 ding. That is true. And I'm about to star in a show on Broadway. And I'm going to use the attention I'm getting from that show to just raise awareness about about climate change. Um, but, I, I, you know, in trying to figure out what does that look like, because everybody knows it's a problem. I don't need to be telling people it's a problem. Nobody I don't I don't have any interest in preaching to people um, or telling people what to do, quite frankly. Um, so, um, yeah, sort of trying to figure out how that was going to play out. And then my first stop was, of course, the Broadway Green Alliance. And um, Molly Braverman there is just doing unbelievable work on a shoestring budget um, and just the grassroots efforts she is leading that that all of Broadway is responding to and the amount of stuff that everybody is doing across Broadway in our Broadway houses. It's really, really heartening. So I thought, all right, what if I, I have so avoided social media? I have been so blissfully <laughs> out of that 
the melee that that is. Um, and um, but then I thought, all right, but again, I'm doing it for my kids. So I joined Instagram purely. I don't post anything personal or career even. It's all just posts. It's just, uh, yes, a blend of backstage shenanigans that involve some kind of Broadway greenness and um, and just basically showing what people are doing. Um, which I think um, optimism breeds action. Positivity brings action, breeds action way better than helplessness does. I know because I've felt helpless about this for decades. And then finally, I just started taking those first steps. Um, actually, in my very first post on Instagram, um, I talked about the movie Frozen 2. Um, and Bobby and Kristen Lopez wrote just a fantastic song for one of the characters. She's at the lowest point of her life and doesn't know what to do to solve her massive problem. So she sings a song, Do the Next Right Thing. And that's all any of us can do. Um, you know, corporations and governments can do more, but even they have to do the next right thing for them. It's just larger. But if all of us did the next right thing, I know now we can solve this problem. The more I have learned, the more I have researched, the unbelievable things people are doing out there, the unbelievable innovations that are happening, that are coming. Um, people are solving this problem in ways large and small. Um, it's a groundswell. It really is. Revolution is not too strong a word. It is a revolution and people have different tactics and we might not agree with all the tactics that people have, but um, but everybody has to do it in their way. And so in my way, um, there's stuff that I'm partnering with the BGA um, in getting in trying to get done, actual pragmatic stuff we're trying to do. Um, I became a Broadway green captain. Every Broadway show has green captains that help their particular backstage be as sustainable as possible. That program has spread across the so it's in national tours and regional theaters and colleges. I don't know if high schools do it, but they could. They should. So if you're a drama student out there um, anywhere, you can become a green captain um, and you can help make your. So, I mean, I really think artists lead the way. Right. And so. Um, we model it, right? And so that's really what the Instagram is, is it's just me being silly backstage, but also showing, hey, this is what we're doing. And then ergo, you could do it too. Um, so for now, that's 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 that is where I'm at. And um, but but I have joined the revolution. And so I don't know where it's gonna take me next, particularly now that I'm um gonna gonna have uh, more time in January. Um, one thing that is coming up that's exciting that I'm I'm working with um, Molly at the BGA and Jen Gambatis, my old friend from All Shook Up. I was her yeah. understudy and All, All Shook Up. We three are producing, um, along with Seth Rudetsky and James Wesley, um, a Broadway Green Alliance Stars in the House co-production, um, a concert at Green Room 42 um, with fabulous stars um, and lots of um, uh, fun, really heartening heartening. It's going to be op optimism inducing. I always say I wanted to help people go from helpless to hopeless, helpless and hopeless to helpful and hopeful, which is really mm -hmm. what's happened for me over the past six months is in taking these first steps and starting to do the next right thing for me. It has really, really made me feel so much more helpful and hopeful than I did before. Um, so it's going to be a really fun night. Um, Seth Rudetsky makes everything silly and fun. Um, and um, you can go to Green Room 42 and be there in person, or you can stream it. So everybody can watch it live streamed, um, 25 bucks. And um, and yeah, so please, 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 if you're listening, um, the Broadway Green Alliance needs help financially. So um, we've got to, that's, that's the, the next thing on my docket is to help make that wonderful.
Oh my God. First of all, all your passion. This you're so amazing. And <laughs> oh, like there you. were like but there's 20 real different reason for it. Absolutely. There's real reason for optimism. There is. Yeah. I mean, there were like at least 20 different things you said that I would have loved to take those quotes and put them on a little needle pointed pillow. Um, <laughs> you're so, you're, it's great. Um, I have so many questions right now. First of mm-hmm. all, uh, to everybody listening, in our um, episode, on our episode page, we'll put links to everything that you just talked about. Thank you. So people can go to Broadway Green Alliance. They can learn more about it. We can give information about Seth Rodesky's concert. Um, also, we have, uh, there's an auction going on right now to raise money for Broadway Green Alliance. So mm-hmm. I'll put that mm-hmm. link in there too. It's an online auction mm-hmm. um, where you get to come to New York and do like a whole, you know, week of theater. Yeah. And stuff. Do you get so, to meet Carrie Butler? I feel like you get to meet Carrie Butler. I think you get to meet Carrie Butler. Yeah. Yes. It's actually, it's actually yeah. a sweepstakes. Yeah. Um, so for yeah. $10, you're automatically entered to win this gigantic yeah. thing. So we'll talk about that too. Yeah. But I want to go back to like your backstage shenanigans, as you call them. Yeah. Just can you give me some examples of ways that like, what are, what are some examples of, sure. of some of the shenanigans and some of the ways that Broadway, <laughs> particularly your show, have been uh, demonstrating s- sustainability? Sure. Um, and and I, this isn't all of this stuff is not just happening at Almost Famous. It's happening everywhere. But um, the first one was I came I came outside the very first one because I think this is a huge deal and wonderful and a real coup for the Broadway Green Alliance is um, uh, that and this happened years ago. But I got our house electrician who um, I let everybody know is the handsome Matt Maloney because there are two Matt Maloney's who work through <laughs> on Broadway shows, and this one our our Matt Maloney says he's the handsome one. So the whole interview. I call him the handsome Matt Maloney. Um, But we stand outside the marquee and he tells everybody how they are now all across Broadway, LED bulbs instead of regular bulbs. Um, And that that means that um, Broadway marquees are using about two tenths of the energy they used to use 15 years ago, which that adds up at the end of a year. Right. That's a significant, significant amount of emissions that are not put into our environment thanks to those bulbs and that's i think a terrific example of meeting people where they are is there are going to be broadway marquees to ask broadway marquees to go dim for the sake of the planet it's just it's not going to happen so how do you do it better Mm -hmm. um and this is the way to do it better right it's just um so there's that one. Um, what are the ones that I've posted so far? Because we have some coming. But um, uh, we talk about using um, uh, reusable water bottles backstage. So we're not using it. Uh, we're trying to avoid single-use plastics. Um, we, um, uh, oh, who else have I, have I interviewed? Um, I'm going to post one tomorrow. So it will be out by the time this is out. But talking with uh, my favorite usher, Joanne, about um, how they try to save paper using um, playbills. Again, there's going to be playbills. There's going to be, people have tried to figure out ways to do digital ones. Everybody pays a lot of money to come to a Broadway show and they want their playbill. A lot of people collect those playbills. It's a special part of the experience. Um, so it's just, you know, sometimes when I go, if I'm going with other people, we share one. If you keep it in pristine condition, they will reuse it. They take the stuffers, if there's understudies, they take those stuffers out at the end of the night and they reuse them. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. What were the other things I did backstage? Oh, we they re, we reuse and repurpose the vases we got we get from um, opening night. And um, so my post about that I haven't posted it yet, but my post about that one I'll give you guys a spoiler is um, <laughs> that I make I make one of our my castmates Yana, who's wonderful. I make her read the um, card that came with my opening night flowers that I got from Francis McDormand. Um, so, um, and, you know, and that's how we. <laughs> And that's how I do a very heavy-handed segue into um, how we how we reuse um, the vases that we're because there's so many vases in the building after opening night wonderfully. But 
um, you know, all, all of the things you think about. But yeah, it's um, uh, I, I did one about how because we use masks backstage. It's been the, uh, an amazing way to contain COVID and other illness, quite frankly, backstage. It's been it's come into our building and it's never spread. And I and I firmly believe it's because we wear masks backstage. And um, so we go through a lot of masks and those end up in landfills. So um, we um, TerraCycle is a company that recycles them. And so we have a TerraCycle bin in our, in our theater and people put their masks there and um, and we recycle masks. But um, but yeah, it's Broadway is oh I, I, one of the fun things about our show is that um, because it's set in 1973, um, uh, so many of our clothes are vintage. And in terms of fashion, the most sustainable thing you can do is buy something that's meant to last and rewear it. So um Talk about an example of that. I actually give a kind of a magnificent example of that because <laughs> I wear in the show a shirt that was my mother's that she was I'm re- ready for me to blow your mind. The show <laughs> set in 1973. I was born in 1973. The shirt is a maternity shirt she wore when she was pregnant with me when the play was happening that I then wore when I was pregnant with each of my boys. That is now a shirt that I wear in the show. Boom. Wow. Talk wow. about re- reusing, repurposing. <laughs> um, so it's that kind of stuff. It's I mean, I could go on, but it's lots and lots of stuff like that. And now that I only have three weeks left, I'm going to double down and I'm going to get as many. I'm going to start doing these things daily if I can, um, just to capture as much of it as I can before before we leave. But then I'm going to keep Green Mom AF on Instagram is going to live on. Um, I'm just going to be doing it at other Broadway shows and with Broadway people outside of the Jacobs Theater because um, it's fun. Um, and um, I think it will be, I need more followers. I don't really get any of it. I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to get them as I continue to do what I do. <laughs> I believe that. I do too. So, you know, it's one thing. So Broadway is doing a lot to be greener, which is great. Mm-hmm. And I love your point about it's the small things, you know, that are important too. Mm-hmm. So can you give us some advice about um, about what to do? We know when Broadway Green Alliance first um, became uh, an organization, I was actually part of the team that helped put on the very first press conference. Mm. And we worked with um, some other organizations. And I remember at that time, this is a long time ago, they gave us like a list here, 10 things you can do, small yeah. things that, that will actually mean a lot if a lot of people do them. Yeah. And I'm sure that that list has changed. I remember it was like unplug things when you're not going to be home uh, yeah, or using a Yeah, I don't think that dryer. list has really changed. I yeah. think it probably is. But yes, turn things off at the plug is a great way of thinking about, about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, those lists are easy to find on the internet. So, uh-huh. um, and I feel like if I started to list, I would um, not do a great job of it. But I would, I would like to urge people to do that. I think they maybe don't know about as much. That's a really great place to start if you're trying to figure out how you're going to help. Um, and my my friend, Andrea Varga, professor of sustainability, turned me on to it when I called her that day. Um, uh, the UN Global Goals for Sustainability. Um, it's a mouthful. Um, they also <laughs> like to call it the world's to-do list. Um, uh, all 193 of the UN nations have signed off on it. Um, and in its agreement of things that need to happen by 2030 to help save the planet. But the beauty of it, there are 17 of them. The beauty of it is that um, it there is it, it, inherent in them is an understanding that you can't make a greener world without making a fairer world and vice versa, and that all of our problems are so entrenched in each other that you can't fix one without fixing all of them. Um, and so um, find the one that matters to you the most and start working on that. 
Um, and on their beautifully branded and, and well laid out website, they have all of it broken down for you in such a user friendly way. And each global goal has targets and um, what you can do. Um, but the first one is no poverty. The next one is no hunger. It's about access to education. It's about gender equality. It's about clean water. It's about social justice. It's this idea that we can't fix the world unless we do all of these things. So I would urge people to go to um, to that website for the for the global goals and check that out. And really, it's it's the place to um, find which is the thing, because one of them is marine life and one of them is life on land and one of them is responsible um, waste, responsible consumption and 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 um, waste. I don't know what the word is, but getting rid of waste, like all of the different all of the different aspects of it. And um so it's just a really good jumping off place for people who want to start being more active um, um, or just know what to do. It just it's it, it's so easy to feel helpless, as I've said. And mm -hmm. um, and those the global goals help me feel hopeful. And I am hoping to in the works, not hoping to. It will happen. I will make it happen. But I'm going to do a vlog about the global goals with different Broadway people. Uh, I was going to do it with my folks backstage at Almost Famous. And now I'm going to find a new way to do it. So it's it's still sort of in the where it's being reworked, but um, a vlog with 17 episodes and each episode will be about a different global goal. Um, and hopefully it will still have the same vibe of fun and, and, um, uh, and, and, and frivolity, but also always encompassing some, some sustainability and some, and some ways to do the next right thing. I love do the next right thing. We should yeah. collaborate on your on your vlog. That sounds so uh, interesting. Let's have a meeting about it. Yeah, I'm okay. going to take you up on it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I can use. I'd help. love to. Yeah, no, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I I love everything that we've talked about today, and um, I know a lot of people listening to this podcast. You know, one of the questions that I get most from people is, "Okay, I want to do something." And I mean, this is broader than 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 the you know the green conversation. Just in in the area of just being a philanthropist or being an activist, right? And people get so stuck, like it's overwhelming. The world is so there's so many issues, yeah. And people just you know they need advice on how do I start, yeah. what do I do? And I just wondered if you could give any advice based on your hopeful um, point of view and your yeah. experience. I mean, we really do need people doing what they can everywhere, right? It's not just next door to the factories that we need the air to be. Like everybody everywhere needs to um, be doing what they can. Um, and um, so it really is that, that like local matters. But there, there are groups everywhere. There are organizations everywhere that are just really, really hyper local. Um, I, I mean, obviously, one of the first things that comes to mind is is vote. Is the way that you vote really matters in terms of the, it, legislation being passed is so huge. It's it, a really heartening thing. Is this federal legislation that Biden passed is very, very hopeful. Um, and then even even perhaps even more importantly, the legislation that, that California just recently passed, everybody probably heard about it because um, it was one of the things is that they're going to um, phase out. Um, you're not going to be able to make gas powered cars right. starting uh, by 2035. And that's huge because I didn't know this till till I read that article. But um, California is the fifth largest economy in the world in the world. Uh -huh. So as California goes, so goes the auto industry. They don't have a choice. So they're going to have to follow that. Everybody is going to ultimately follow, have to follow that whether they want to or not. Well, I like the, I love the advice of going local, you know, like yeah, doing- Oh, it really matters. It's the yeah. only way. And then it might yeah. lead to something broader, but it really is, the, it's the way every revolution works, right? Is 
person by person. Here's another thing that I think actually is important. And I'm thinking, I, I was thinking about this a lot because I debated putting this in my Christmas card, talking about this. I always do an update of the family. And then I decided, no, I think we all need to be talking about this more. It needs to be a part of our everyday it is such a big, dire problem that we can't make really any decision without thinking about when I went Christmas shopping for my kids for the first time, I started thinking about the the amount of plastic packaging mm. or what the, the gifts were made of. And I worked really hard to try and buy stuff that was made out of wood or, you know, and, um, you know, it, it, sometimes that stuff is more expensive. So it's not possible for people. But in terms of doing what what you can. Um, it really is in every decision that you make. Do you run the water while you're shaving? Maybe you could not run the water while you're shaving. If everybody thought about that, here's a really small thing that's really huge is um, uh, when you wash your laundry on cold, short cycle. I have a five and a seven-year-old. They get so dirty and muddy. And I'm telling you, their clothes get washed on cold in a 27-minute cycle. Um, mm. And um, that is huge. We don't, you, machines today and soap today are good enough that you don't need to wash on hot, hot or even warm. You just don't. Or even rinsing dishes before you put them in the dishwasher. Exactly. The dishwashers now are so yeah. much better. You don't really need to sit there and rinse your wash your dishes and rinse them. I almost yeah. wash them before I put them in the dishwasher before. And yeah. now I just kind of throw yeah. them in and they yeah. get clean. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So I was debating whether or not to talk about climate stuff in my oh. Christmas card because it's a downer. But if I think with everything, if you talk about it in positive terms, in optimistic terms. Um, but I really think we need to, and everybody can do this, create a cultural expectation that this is something we expect sustainability from everybody we encounter, certainly from our governments, our town governments and our federal government. But we expect it from from the, the business people in our communities, that it becomes an expectation that we are all doing our best in these efforts. The more we talk about it, the more we let people know what we're doing, um, the more that I just I really think in other countries it is it is different than it is here. Um, I've talked about the global goals. They, they have a they have their brand is this ring that looks like rainbows. I actually wore the global goals on my uh, a pin on my dress on opening night of our show. So if you see any photos of me on the on the runway, I'm wearing the Global Goals pin on my dress. And I'm wearing a dress that I have worn many, many times before in my life um, intentionally to rewear um, that dress. And I'm going to wear it for the rest of this year. If I have anything else fancy to go to, I'm going to wear it to the concert that we do on January 23rd, one twenty three twenty three to raise money for the BGA. Um, but it's just about, I really think the importance of talking about it. Um, you don't have to say, hey, what are you doing? You should be doing. It's just let's start talking about what we are doing so that we just it, it, in that in that way, it starts creating this expectation as a country, as a society, as a planet that we all are expected to do what we can every day. Um, and um, I think that that's huge. Oh, I was going to say in Japan, they wear business people are now expected to wear the global goals pin. Um, and there's, you know, of course, backlash because some of them are not do, not helping the planet, but uh -huh. wearing the pin. But I still argue, even if they're not helping wearing the pin, they are creating in Japan a cultural expectation that business people should be thinking about this. And then I do think the action necessarily follows if we are expecting people and we're upholding people to these standards. This sounds like a good New Year's resolution, this cultural yeah. expectation 
of doing yeah, our except best. Yeah, the problem with New Year's resolutions is that by February, you've forgotten them. <laughs> I don't know. I've kept a few, actually. Have you? Good yes. for you. Yes. You're the only one. <laughs> uh, well, I had a New Year's resolution last year that, you know how you get all the junk email? Well, if you unsubscribe, yeah. you yeah. you know they'll stop sending it to you. So yeah. I made a New Year's resolution that every piece of junk mail I got, I was going to unsubscribe immediately. Like, yeah. hit because it takes a minute or two to like go yeah. through the steps. Yeah. I have done it consistently do for that one too. year. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and you know what I've actually started doing too is I, I so resent getting paper junk mail at this point. I'm like, how have we not moved beyond this? Nobody reads their paper junk mail. Who's still even trying this? And so I just ignore it and recycle it. But now I've actually started. It's sore. It's not easy, but it's I collect them. And then actually, while I'm at the theater during my show between entrances, I am fighting the good fight for the planet. And I'm on my computer um, hoping not to miss an entrance because I'm trying to help. <laughs> um, but I now go to the website of the place and I find their contact email and I say, please remove me from your paper mailing list. It's a small thing, but I just don't want it. I don't want it. And it makes me disheartened and it makes me feel better when I get their email back saying we have removed you from our paper mailing list. You are walking the walk and talking the talk and doing it uh, all. And you're such an inspiration. Oh, thank you. But there are, I just want to make sure like it's, um, you know, the whole virtue signaling and like, the, I don't know, sanctifying people for, um, I'm, there are also ways that I'm failing. There are also ways um, that I, that I'm not, you know, like, and so I just, I'm, I'm just trying to do what I can. Um, uh, and, um, I just, in a way that is, I think, realistic for me in my life. And that's all anyone can do. But I, 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 I just know how good it feels to be doing what I can. Um, and I, and I encourage other people to, to seek that great feeling. Well, it has been a great feeling having you on this podcast and it's a perfect way to end. I think, you know, I know that you've got bad news, but I feel like the hopefulness mm -hmm. in you and yeah. your voice, it's just, it's there. Um, I was thinking about the holidays this year, the past few years, actually, and, you know, peace, love, hope, and all that. Mm -hmm. And I think I want to change mine to more just, I hope 2023 is hopeful, um, yeah. you know, because I feel like there is so much to be hopeful for. Yeah. And we're not there yet. And we all do have our you know, are things that we'd like to improve, but um, yeah. I feel like hopeful. So I feel like you've made me feel very hopeful today. Oh, well, but I think that's hope is contagious. Um, negativity is con contagious, but I also do think we humans, most of us are naturally wired to want to be hopeful. And mm -hmm. so um, when we feel it and when we are given good reason for it, um, it, it really, it does spread those endorphins or whatever they are that's firing off in your brain when you when you um, you see, you know, even altruism. I mean, they've done studies. Altruism yeah. makes you feel good. It does. <laughs> doing it this makes me feel good. That's part of the reason I'm doing it. It's not just because I feel like I gotta, but it makes me feel good. So, um, yeah, it's the best drug there is. Well, thank you so much. I wish you the happiest of holidays. And, you too. Um, I hope you have a good last few weeks of the show, and I'll be thinking about you. And um, thank you. we're excited to see what comes next and all the... Uh, you know, career-wise, but also, you know, with regard to your activism. So thank you so much for being part of Broadway Gives Back. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Broadway Gives Back is part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Special thanks to my producing partner, writer, editor, and friend, Jim Lochner. And thank you to everyone at BPN, including Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and Kimberly Garris. I'd also like to thank Julian Hills from the Bulldog Agency and Eric Becker from Broderick Street Music. If you like what you hear, 
Don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also follow Broadway Gives Back on Facebook and Instagram at Broadway Gives Back Podcast and on Twitter at Broadway Gives. To learn more, visit vpn.fm slash Broadway Gives Back. Thanks so much. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.